Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Have you know I've got a very flat tongue, but it's talented. Um, <laughs> I think that's a bit I'm going to use for the, the little bit at the start of it. <laughs> what three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. You... And now inside the world's only live-action video game, activating graphics! Ooh! <laughs> ah. <laughs> now, a question, if any of you were born ever, make a noise for me now! Yes! Yes! yes. How I love an English audience. You people have been trained since Panto! <laughs> To respond to any old dumb shit. Robotron, how are you doing? Oh, I'm bloody excellent, mate. I'm a box of fluffy ducks. How are you? <laughs> we are all good this end. So uh, we talked about this when we started recording. We are putting this together the morning after football didn't come home. <laughs> it's 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 a rough time uh, for, for the country right now. But uh, explain to me how you kept up to speed with the football. Well, I'll, was tell you, last I'll tell you exactly how I kept up to speed with the football. Having had me a uh, second dose of Pfizer, Pfizer vaccine, I uh, went down into town, uh, saw a friend's one-woman production of Swan Lake at four in the afternoon, which is a good thing to do on footy day. Walked outside through the England fans and thought to myself, you know, if I get stabbed, I've just done everything you can do in London in one day. <laughs> Got back to my house. Pfizer jab took over. But wasn't watching the game, right? What I do is put on WrestleMania X7 and I'm listening to the sounds of the crowd cheer, like the neighbors cheering the footy. And it felt like we were all watching the wrestling oh. from, from 20 years ago. And I've never felt more included <laughs> yet alone in, in one moment. And then eventually I just, I conked out. And uh, at one point just went, oh, woke up, went, I wonder how the game is. And just put my head towards the window and just heard, yeah, oh, and I knew. <laughs> And I knew you knew it was a, a, a rough night at the office, but I like the idea of of everybody watching WrestleMania X Seven with you. That's oh, a really, really lovely nice. thing. Did the, they the did, fact... was was the cheer from next door simultaneous with the Austin Heel turn that confused everybody? <laughs> yeah, they yelled out uh, "Dubious creative choice." <laughs> that's what they did during the penalties. Strangely, and... yeah, that's it. They're all just shake his hand, shake his hand. <laughs> Um, we are here to talk about three wrestling matches uh, that Rob would take whilst uh, stranded on a desert island. Now, is WrestleMania X7 a hint as to your first one? 
Oh, well, <clears throat> it can be. It can be if you want it to be. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I, was, I was trying to figure this out. That was the thing. Right. And bearing in mind, I'm, I'm Australian. I'm from a desert. Are island. you? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I've already been... <laughs> I've already been stranded with very little wrestling. <laughs> I was a wrestling fan growing up in the 90s. You know, you had what they had at the video store. It was great. And I was too young for the ECW ones when they are on the white VHSs and they just looked awful. Oh. It was great. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm going to go with... Um, very much, I, spoke to my, um, I spoke to my wife before this and um, we agreed that I wasn't going to put on the, um, the crap Survivor Series match uh, that we watched when we first started dating which was also when I realized I was bisexual because the match was boring, but I got very excited by what was happening. So we just started to fuck. So nice. yeah, that was it. I just went bad wrestling. We'll have some of our own. Uh, so we're not going to, we're not going to pop that one on there. I can't even but, remember. But, uh, the- but out of interest, before we drift away from that, can yeah. you remember the exact, what was the Survivor Series match? Are you going to uh, say? No, it, it's mid nineties. It's mid nineties. Right. Um, somewhere. I think, I think it's, it's got to be in the new generation. And it was pretty grim, as I recall. I think Owen Hart was definitely bumping around for somebody. And eventually I'd... Oh, no, no, I know exactly what it is. It's the one with Leslie Nielsen looking for The Undertaker. Right. That would have been... Oh, SummerSlam, maybe. That's a SummerSlam. Could have been a SummerSlam. SummerSlam so good, I thought it was a Survivor Series. There you go. (laughs) What was the exact moment where you went, let's just not boots instead? Can you remember the exact Uh, moment? Well, probably the moment where, you know... I wanted to do that anyway, and this was actually getting in the road of what was going on. We'd rented a video, so we had something else to do. So, <laughs> it was anyway that the old favourite SummerSlam '94 and chill, as oh, the kids mate, call yeah. it. Mate, this was pre-chill. This was a uh, this was an Australian summer. There's no chill in the summer, and there's no culture either. We were the two most urbane people in that neighbourhood. <laughs> All right, so we're not having anything from there. But what is your first match going to be? Uh, first match is going to be. Uh, I might as well go with what is my favourite and the match that I show everyone. When they go, but what is it, John? What is this pro wrestling you love so much? And I go straight to hell in a cell. Do I mean the first one, the technically proficient match with Sean and Undertaker? Do I? Fuck. No. <laughs> of course I mean Mankind versus The Undertaker. Oh, It never got better. I mean, the, the Triple H versus Foley one is marvellous, but it's just a riff on this match. And, it oh, really is. Yeah. Where, so where was John then when you watched this for the first time? All right. I was... Okay, so this is 1998. That comes out, which hits... Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was 13. I was at school. Never saw the pay-per-view. Hadn't, hadn't seen it when it first came out, but we used to get WWF superstars at 11 o'clock at night on the TV, which was just the perfect Attitude Era show because it was 45 minutes of montages promising a match would happen, right? Various people uttering incredible racist and sexist threats to each other. And then right at the end, some smashed together highlights of a match that made wrestling look really good, you know? And it, which, which given that I, I, had mem- I had memories of wrestling as being the colourful thing I watched in rural Australia when I was five, and then the colourful thing I watched in suburban Australia when I was seven. Like, I'm one of those... Let's just put it this way. There's a surprisingly large number of, uh, of wrestling fans from Australia whose first memories will involve the phrase, Johnny B. Bad. 
Oh, okay. WCW, shown at, shown at lunchtime on a Sunday. So that's where the audience was then, wasn't it? That was WCW yep. had a captive audience in Australia. Oh, of course. Well, of course we're a captive audience. You know, it's fun. it's a combination of convicts and people that the military killed. But yeah. <laughs> so what was the with with the, the Hell in a Cell match? Um, yep. What's what's a moment from that 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 you still find yourself remembering? Obviously, Every, there's the, uh, there are iconic moments, but is there one in particular? Uh, look, I mean, good God Almighty. Good God almighty. I mean, just to say those three words in a row, you immediately can see Mick's beautiful fall. You can see the hand cresting the top of the cell as he goes over and beautifully done and the thing exploding. And you, you know you know what? It, I dined out describing it to friends who couldn't just access it. You know, like you're just trying to explain what pro wrestling is and you're like, then the satanic zombie cult leader through the conception of all of humanity's pain off a cage through a table and then a bloke called terry lost his shoes <laughs> uh, oh um yeah like so I, I always remember the fall i liked that i liked he's smiling my god he's smiling you know with the tooth through the nose so beautiful but to be honest my favorite thing and and we're going to end up returning to this a bunch of times is when out comes the thumbtacks, right? Mm. Out comes the thumbtacks. For someone who is allegedly unconscious on his feet, right? Absolutely broken, battered beyond repair, whose spine looked like a crocodile's spine, according to his chiropractor, at the best of times, Mick Foley remains enough of a showman to empty the whole bag out, giving it a bit of a flick, making certain <laughs> we can all see. I, I, that's what I admire about that the true ability to continue to be the showman despite falling twice almost yep. to your death <laughs> well mix the only wrestler i can think of who gets who is both a showman but also involved in an actual fight like you you will suspend your disbelief with him not in the sense of going oh wow look at this tussle because actual fighting is confusing and and boring to look at like I watched a street fight happen one time and you know, there were no fucking Hadoukens getting thrown that day. <laughs> you know, that was just two blokes. And I just was like, look at those guys warming up to do something. That's what it looked like. <laughs> you, you, you mostly just heard the sound of their fists whooshing past each other. And then you realized, oh, wait a minute. This you is know? the fight. <laughs> this, yeah. is the this is the main attraction. <laughs> well, that's it. it. It feels like when you watch a documentary and they say these are two spiders fighting and you're like, well, I'm glad you told me. <laughs> I'm glad you told me that's what that was because otherwise it's beautiful just sort of whizzing around um, it's quite poetic yeah but let, let's just put it this way i remember sitting in sitting with my wife on the couch we've watched a lot of wrestling together mm. when we watched the match with triple h on the cell right and mix got the barbed wire two by four right and he set it on fire and he holds it above his hands right and I just remember screaming, hit him, hit him, <laughs> just over and over, hit him with the bat, hit him, <laughs> right? And my wife just went, what a showman. Because <laughs> it was perfect. And, and the genius of, you can see I've got it. I'm going to hit him. You want me to hit him? Now I've held it long enough. You don't know if I'm going to be able to. I'm going to try. I didn't. <laughs> And this is this is what makes him a genius, because mankind is such a ridiculous character. But I mean, back back to Hell in a Cell, his suffering, his agony, 
It's not even determination. He just seems to want to keep going. Seems a little cheerful to be there. <laughs> oh. He was such a, it's such a cat. And it, I don't think it was meant to catapult him into sort of the stardom that it did. It was meant to be just because well, the the story goes that sort of it was meant to be that first fall off the cell and then a match would carry on, but then the and the second fall wasn't meant to happen allegedly. Yeah, and then that'll be I think something be contested for a while, um, yes. whether or not it was or not. But hey, regardless of whether it was or not, it was a phenomenal fall. The second yeah. one. Oh, look, well, his updated story is that it was meant to kind of curl in a bit, and he was meant to kind of get stuck like Winnie the Pooh trying to get into Rabbit's hole. Mm. <laughs> right, and then he would slowly fall, and that that's fine. But that sounds so much like the uh, why not like the WCW version of a spot. Yeah, it does. It doesn't sound as interesting. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it sounds like um, we're going to get a, an over forty macho man Randy Savage to climb to the top of a high cage. He's going to jump off it. Oh, cool! Elbow drop? No. Oh, splash? No. Double axe handle? That seems stupid. <laughs> The old top rope, nothing that never well, that, quite well, lands. But have you seen it? Because he doesn't. It's amazing. Just and it's that moment of going. I heard your ankles crack. <laughs> I heard him go, sir. I love a good top rope, nothing like that with a double axe handle. <laughs> it's my favourite. It's my favourite. When did you? Um, when did you become a wrestling fan, John? Ah, uh, look, I want to. I the first time I encountered wrestling, it would have been Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling on the telly, Saturday morning cartoons which of course doesn't contain any wrestling. It's just about some people who wrestle, right? And um, then it cuts to Captain Lou Albano uh, doing things like, I'm lifting weights, I'm lifting weights. And look at this, ah, on this end, on this end, it's a pizza. And on this end, it's a pizza. Ah! And I didn't realize that my eyesight was poor until it took me 30 years to realize that that was the same bloke who was Super Mario. In the yes. Despite the fact Captain Lou looks like Captain Lou and can't act. <laughs> <laughs> behaves the same way both times it's funny how you say it didn't it was a wrestling show didn't contain much wrestling didn't even contain much hulk hogan because that know. wasn't even hulk doing the voice i found out brad down the road like, yeah like i mean excellent work brad uh, and it could and it, you know it connects everybody loves raymond to the wwe multiverse quite nicely <laughs> but i was like not even hogan could be asked to do it well of course he couldn't <laughs> animation's not the big town <laughs> it's very true so and yet you what the, yeah sorry and yet at the same time i mean if Hulk Hogan had found a way that he didn't have to wrestle, but that Korean animators could do it for him, <laughs> you'd think he would have been into it. You'd have thought so. Not too <laughs> many leg drops, brother. So, so was this your introduction to wrestling through that yeah. cartoon? So, yeah. what was your what, what did you make of it then? Was it was it something that you want, like? Did you did you know that it was going to be something you'd fall into as a fan as a sport? Was it just you liked the cartoon? Uh, well, what was weird is. I, w I saw this and it was just like all the other shows at the time where a bunch of fun people went and did nice things and they had cars and there were people who were evil. And that, that was just good. I think that served as like the, it solidified, you knew the names of these people. And then you'd see like dribs and drabs of it and you would go, oh, that's Roddy Piper. Oh, I don't like Roddy Piper. Ooh, right. But then the thing that, I don't know how this happened, but one day my dad, just sort of went, ah, Jake the Snake. And this kind of weird knowing way. And I still don't know, because I mean, my dad's been dead a long time, so I don't know where he encountered Jake the Snake, but it was this tone of voice that suggested, many times my paths have crossed with this terrible man <laughs> once again. <laughs> 
looking my... wistfully out of the window like I yeah, that's remember it. Jake the Snake. Ah, my old nemesis, Jake <laughs> the Snake Roberts. Um, but yeah, it, we had that and then we must have had some some highlights from the WWF because I knew what Hulk Hogan looked like when he moved because I, I knew I knew enough of that so that when I was seven and I saw live action WCW, I remember when Sting came out thinking, oh, this is their Hulk Hogan. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, but the, the first time I saw proper matches all the way through, it would have been like WCW, Saturday afternoon, super colourful programming, you know, Mark Merrow impersonating Little Richard. Great. Because that's, that's the second time now his name has come up. So yeah, was yeah. He one of your, was he, did you sort of adopt him as one of your favourites early well, on? I had my name. That's true. I mean, that's true. And my dad used to sing Johnny Be Good. So I was there like, oh, Johnny Be Bad. Wow. <laughs> see what you did there. Well, even, I mean, to be fair, even for a seven-year-old is astonishingly dorky. I see why the other kids used to beat me. Um, <laughs> but I, I, this, this, this is my abiding memory of that was the first time I found this because I was excited because I was like, oh, wrestling. Like, oh, I've been looking for it again. Wrestling is on. I didn't know what a one-four match meant, right? And so they were just saying, well, Sting tussled with Vader and Vader defeated Sting in a one-four match. And then they're just showing bits of it. And that meant I was terrified of Vader. I love Vader still, but I was fright very frightened of this big man, right? Who, to be fair, just essentially, <laughs> essentially just looked like any of my, you know, any of my neighbours' divorced dads in a badly put together <laughs> Halloween costume. You know, I've put on, I've cut some holes in your bloody nana's undies, and I'm wearing them. <laughs> oh, I'll show you something, right? But because I didn't know what a one fall meant, right? I thought the match ended when somebody fell over. So of oh, course, one fall. Yeah. yeah. So Vader, bloody thump Sting. And Sting just fell, and I just whipped like, "Oh God, <laughs> done!" <laughs> and then when the match carried on, was there confusion from oh, your no, side? Like, they just oh, it's because it it oh. they were just showing highlights, you know. A whole three minutes waiting to see. Did he die? <gasps> did, did he die? Yeah. Did you when um when you were in Australia? Did you get a chance to see anything live wrestling? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did. That came. That came along later. <clears throat> um. I, uh, because I'm from Perth, and Perth's got a few wrestling federations. I got to wrestle for one of them too, which was nice. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, for for New Horizon Pro Wrestling, run by Mana. I uh, got to wrestle uh, Heritor, who was their Hi-Fi champ, and he was what a what a giving human being was Heritor, because they they trained me for about three weeks, and you know I I, I did it in army boots instead of wrestling boots so I couldn't run anyway and then that slowed me down and I wore jeans instead of uh, tights so that slowed me down and let's just put it this way a comedy match that should have gone for five probably goes for 20 just because I can't move that was great uh, but yeah him and um, the Maltese sensation Mattel Pache who was my uh, bodyguard who just did all the moves in the match <laughs> it's fabulous yeah I had a re also the fact that um, we um, sliced uh, Heritor's head open twice during the lead up to the match and um, concussed him several times. Concussed him at a comedy club. That was pretty good. Good times. <laughs> How did you get into to the wrestling training then? So what was the story there? Well, well with that, right, with that, and it, it, it's quite cute. Heritor had just done a promo and put it on Facebook and it was an open challenge to anyone. And, of course, it was probably meant to be a storyline, but I just... <laughs> 
was very bored that week and went, well, if it's an open challenge to anyone, local comedian John Robertson will fight you. And so I just put together a, um, a thing where, because Heritor was bald and had a beard, so I just cut off a little bit of my hair, stuck it to the, like, just a, a tomato and drew a frowny face on it. And just went, I'll show you something, and then just headbutted it till it exploded. I just cut a lot of these promos, calling myself the softcore icon John Robertson. And... <laughs> Yeah, and, and off the back of that, I mean, I really sold six extra tickets to that show. <laughs> a whole six extra tickets? That's I, it. I, mate, I knew by face all the people that had come to see me. It was great. <laughs> but that, so that all, was that, was, did you expect there to, to come a booking from that? Or was that you just, oh, I'm just bored, I'll just make I'm a just video? I'm just bored. And, but just... then they were so nice. And, and, and the thing was as well, I mean, they worked me. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they worked me hard because I, I, I genuinely thought I'd be walking out of there with the title. <laughs> I, 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 there was the slightest feel. I was like, they're going to let me go over. <laughs> what was the vibe from? Because obviously, you know, you know, you say nothing but lovely things about Heritor, and they they yeah. looked after you there. But obviously, when somebody from outside comes in and they suddenly like everyone's talking about them, well, like there must have been a little bit of of disrespect. No, no, or, or, no. From them or no? No, the wrestlers could not have been nicer. Uh, there was a bloke called the Giant Coyote who still one of the largest men I've ever seen who, when I climbed up a ladder, just walked over to me and gently with one hand, put me on his shoulder and carried me around like a monkey. That was cool. <laughs> Everyone was super nice. Um, the only person who wasn't necessarily nice. And even he wasn't, wasn't uh, not nice about it was an actual, uh, an actual outsider they'd brought in and not, not outsider with a capital O. So, and then Scott Hall had a really strong opinion about me. Uh, no, but low key was in as a guest wrestler and uh, my match was meant to finish because we, I mean, we had videos of Heritor's face getting sliced open with his own championship belt. We'd had to drive him home to his wife, having concussed him, all of this. So it had gotten a bit intense, our little feud. So I was meant to go through a table and low key came in and sort of just went, who's this? Who's comedian? No table. Right. And I rang up my wife and just went, this guy low key says I can't go through a table. And she went, baby, it's your show. You want to go through a table. You go through a table. So never, <laughs> never forget that my wife's on a slight mission to cripple me every once in a while. <laughs> but yeah, in, in the end, I didn't go through a table. And um, at no point d- during my match, I think, was low key even remotely pleased. <laughs> he comes across as a very serious competitor does like uh, yes yes a- absolutely he, he comes across as someone who hasn't in fact been informed that wrestling's enjoyable and also <laughs> an art form um people people actually don't sit there come there to watch also for someone whose name is a pun very weak on jokes very weak <laughs> yeah a pun and a street fighter reference is okay the world warrior all right you dork you like dad jokes you like video games you think we'd get on no all right very serious right, man. Very serious man. Oh, my God. I hope, hope we don't have heat. Oh, no. <laughs> hope I haven't just shot on him. <laughs> I want you to shoot on Scott Hall now. What's the, what's the, what's the story between you and Scott Hall, I've for never, those who I've don't know? I've never met Scott Hall oh. for any reason. Jesus Christ. No, I'm blocked by Kevin Nash, but that's, that's, that makes sense. What did you do to upset Kevin Nash? I, well, look, me and uh, the comedian Brendan Burns had a podcast for a while where we just, you know, I, and I, we just watch old wrestling pay-per-views and we'd, we'd rip the piss out of them. And, um, the, you know, John Hastings, lots, lots of other people got involved in this and we were doing a live show one day. And, uh, at the start of it, cause we we're going to watch an old pay-per-view 
maybe Brendan or me. Let, let's not say who who said this, suggested. I mean, I know exactly who it was, but for the purpose of obscurity and legal action, let's remain silent. Um, Brendan said, hey, you know, to kick it off, why don't we play Dead Cunt Bingo and just try to figure out how many of these people have died. And uh, it was a Survivor series, so of course everyone's teams come up, so the bets were filled out pretty quickly. <laughs> and it was most of the card had died prematurely. And um, very shortly after that, uh, two things happened. One was uh, the WWE sent a, um, a cease and desist. Uh, it was a very nice cease and desist. It included the phrase, look, unofficially, we're all fans, uh, but could you stop it? Which is very good. Because and, you were streaming their shows, presumably. No, well, no, we were just or streaming just... our audio response to their shows, but they just right. went, if, you, if you'd be so good, uh, kindly, please, please. It was the, the exact moment when you were sort of laughing at our dead friends was the moment that we stopped liking you. Which makes sense when you think about it. And um, the other the other thing was that uh, that exact week, uh, Brendan had gotten blocked by Kevin Nash. So I just started saying, G'day, Kev. Um, why have you blocked my mate Brendan, Kev? And I must have done that for all of about oh, 15 times in a row uh, over the course of about half an hour until I was blocked. And, uh, well, there we go. He joins the list of wrestlers who have found me irritating. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, I did not even tweet at you, you racist scumbag. I did not even tweet at you. <laughs> I just said Hulk Hogan must be looking at PewDiePie thinking, you lucky fucker. <laughs> Someone Googles themselves. I get the vibe that he does. Yeah, oh, fuck you. Yeah, anybody works themselves into a shoot, it's probably Hulk Hogan, to be fair. Well, I mean, the only thing that shot was his semen into his best friend's wife, but that was <laughs> That was... It, 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 what, it, what? <laughs> Um, your second match. <laughs> what would you like your second match? It's you know what? It's so weird because like I, I for me like Hulk Hogan was my hero growing up, and he's become such a punchline, and rightly so, rightly so. There is a little part of you that that, that your heart breaks because you're like, why couldn't you? you why couldn't you stay good? Like why mm. why did you have to be an asshole? Because like you were the one. Like because because now whenever like. You know, people always say, oh, when are you doing this show? When are you doing your own show? And Because uh, one of the matches I would choose would be Hogan Warrior because it was a match that, like, I first remember really getting into wrestling. And it's it's tainted to an extent because Hogan's in it. And it's like, well, it's so sad. Cause... Hang on. Hang on. Let's, let's <laughs> not pretend that's not two steroidal racists fighting. I don't know what you mean. I just hope, oh, yeah, right, Il Hebner was the ref. That's what you mean. That's, yeah, that's the... yeah, of course, obviously, <laughs> that's what I mean. And look, the fact that Ultimate Warrior died doesn't in any way erase what he spent the last 20 years of his life doing. Absolutely, absolutely. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. The, sort of, the, sort of, the sort of ubermensch quality of the name Ultimate Warrior couldn't have been more clear <laughs> with the stuff he was talking about. Um, yeah, but my second one... Right. Again, it involves, um, I mean, in, in the list of nicest wrestlers, uh, there are two wrestlers who, are, in, in my experience, have been supremely lovely, and they are Colt Cabana and, again, Mick Foley. And uh, my second favourite, because I, I realised I'd only ever seen the highlight, never actually watched it all the way through, and I have now, and it's everything I love in wrestling. It's the perfect combination of technique, showmanship, extreme violence, and then there's just a little crest of just slight shitness to it, right? Just there is some slight moments where you go, 
hey, what do you know? Not exactly perfect. And that makes it alive, right, is uh, Edge versus Mick at, uh, I think that's WrestleMania 22. That's the one. That's the one. The one with Lita. So good. Again, lends itself to a big foley match, but what? But but why this one then? Because you say it's a bit on the on uh, on the good on the shit scale. It sort of well, balances. Okay, th- this is what makes it truly great. Like truly great is that, despite everything I've just said, at the end of the match, you've got two people who have been. They've just well, three people because Lita's bleeding from the mouth, right? You've got three people who've just had the living shit knocked out of them, right? But what you've got is Edge who is overselling that he's in shock because I've been in shock. Lots of people have, and you don't, right? Mm. Edge looks like he's trying to do an impression of Charles Wright the first week he learned how to do the voodoo rituals as Papa Shango. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's a lot of shaking and a lot of eye rolling going on, and it's not necessary. It's looking a little bit silly. We're all a bit confused, right? Whereas Mick, because he is tired and he's just a believable performer, you, you get this is a vanquished bloke who's just been through hell, mm. right? Edge is trying to make it look like he's seen hell and he's just sort of scraped through. The storyline's done that for him. He's just doing that and it's, it's perfect because it's just a little bit too much. And it takes you back to the fact that wrestling can be a bit silly despite the fact his actual blood is coursing out of his head at great speed. Um, but I just love things like, again, here are the thumbtacks, but in this match, Foley points to them. But he points to them in a in a way that just suggests, just quietly, friends, I am still fighting, but could you look at that? How good is it that I've got that? Which is marvellous, right? And then it's just the little pause before the table. The little pause where Mick has enough time to look back, look back a second time, the thing is on fire, and then we go. And that's what I like. It's that, it's that four or five seconds where you're like, ah, this took a little longer than you expected, but that kind of makes it better. It's the build, that tension just ramps up just a touch more before. Yeah, just, just a touch more, but then also, you know, you could just see in their little things are like, okay, that, that's longer than even they expected. And then the thing that they're doing, it's not taken away from at all. And that's like, think about that with wrestling. That's so rare. Like anytime you hear the words, you know, exploding barbed wire deathmatch, you know, and the wrestlers, because we've just seen it again, mm-hmm. you know, there they are, middle of the ring, Jesus Christ, and it's never what you expect. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, this is great. You see it, you go, that table's on fire. I reckon someone's going to go through that. Jesus Christ, the spear, of course it is. And it's brilliant. It doesn't That's- exist too long. Yep. Uh, before, so like you're, you're not left hanging with it, as we said a second ago, like it's there just long enough to drink it in and then it's done. 
Also, it, the real the the fact that Mick and Edge extinguished the fire with their yeah. bodies so fast. At that's it's all a thrill. Like, because I mean, I've seen Foley go through bunches of tables, and this, there's something about this match that makes what's happening. It's not it's not upsetting. Like you don't feel bad that they, they've told the story so well. It's been performed so well. You don't feel bad that Mick lost. Mick got what he wanted. That's what it feels like, and that, they've told that story brilliantly. Whereas, um, like that uh, that hell of a match in 2006. Where you've got uh, what is it, Tommy Dreamer, Bueller, and uh, I can't remember who else is with Tommy it, at um, at one Terry, night stand. Terry Funk. Yeah, Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah Terry Funk. Right. And then you've got Mick and yeah, Mick and Edge and Lita. And that match, while there's that one glorious moment of Funk coming back with his eye bandaged, and you're like, oh Jesus, the unbeatable old terrifying cowboy man is back. God, star of 1976's Paradise Alley with Sylvester Stallone, Terry Funker's return. There is also the raw horror of when they're lying in the barbed wire, Terry Funk quite clearly being too old for this and his uh, his jaw quivering the way that, you know, my grandfather's quivered one time when he experienced human emotion for the first time in his life at age 70, you know? Um, yeah, where, yeah, there, there's some, it just... I don't know whether it's just the age thing or whatever, but rather than it just being like violent chaos, it's perfectly done extreme violence that tells a story. You see the fragility. Yeah. Well, this is what I this is what I'm saying between the two, mm. right? The first now the match that I like is the one that goes, This is what we're going to do. Here we are doing it. And then there's the other match where you go, Well, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on. But the thing that's real is the fact that Terry Funk is quite old and is in extreme pain, and that's actually making me sad. Yeah, you know, it's, it's in the it's, you know Terry Terry's always been a master of whilst just being an over the top mental old Texas man, like he also has this ability just to tap into you emotionally. Mm. He's always been very good at that. Like yeah. I don't know whether I, I think part of it might be just that frail old voice, like the, well, the kind of talks like your granddad talking to you, like you say. But then, like just, <laughs> just, just going through hell with somebody shortly afterwards. Yeah. yeah, my granddad's always turning to me and going, "Whose chainsaw is that? It's your <laughs> chainsaw." Oh. Uh, well, well, the, the point I was trying to make there, though, is um, for me, for me, Terry's fragility in that, e even if it is a performance kind of ruins that match for me. I, 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 I'm taken away from it. I don't feel like I've had an enjoyable time. I feel sad. I feel like some people have gone and sacrificed themselves for what is, in the end, a really obnoxious, stupid fan base, you know, or at least can be, because I know I am, mm. you know, all the time, right? Whereas in the first match, I go, these two people have been hurt. The fact that Edge isn't a great actor suggests to me they're going to be okay. But it doesn't break it as much as, okay, you remember when Shane McMahon went off the cell, yes. right? And you realized as the, as the table slowly disassembled itself, a sort of uh, self-flat packing Ikea configuration. And then at the end, he put his thumb up to let everyone know he was okay. I don't, I don't want that. I want to have the slight sense that you've been fucked up. Mm -hmm. I don't want the total evidence that you have been. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a, a fine line in it. I seem to remember from that Shane fall as well, the 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 bit, the, the line that Michael Cole came out with on commentary. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, you know, <laughs> for the love of mankind. Mm. Like, okay, 
Strong line. I like it. What What's lost is, and unfortunately, this is the world we live in, John, where like everybody films everything. What's lost is, as you see Shane hit the table, Michael Cole hasn't looked up from his piece of paper to which he is reading for the love of mankind. Yeah. Like, oh, I just, I kind of, you know, I, I, uh, what you want that, I, I hear what you're saying. You want that little bit of like, ooh, but you don't get it. <laughs> no, I know. What, what, this is what makes Jim Ross a good commentator. Mm-hmm. Is there's somebody organically reacting to things who's learned how to speak in little sound bites? I wish I knew how to do that. Bloody brilliant. Right? I gabble for days. But there's somebody, someone's fallen off the top of the cell. You can't scream obscenities, which is, I, I challenge almost anyone to just get, fuck! Yeah, <laughs> fuck! You know, you, okay. Given that you're broadcasting, you can't scream obscenities, you can't just make a guttural noise. Of surprise, good God Almighty is wonderfully articulate. Mm-hmm. You're, you're literally you're calling to the only thing that's actually higher than where Mick was a minute ago, and we might need him in a second. It's great. It's a but strong yeah. call. I but like look, that one. I, d- I don't know. I don't think you've got this slang here in the UK, but a synonym for um, broken up beyond all repair in Australia is cactus. So okay, yeah, I didn't so- know that. Well, the thing is, so for me saying for all mankind, you may as well have just gone, he's cactus, mate. You know, you might as well have just gone, he's cactus, Jack. You know what I'm saying? Ah. For the love of mankind. (laughs) I can just, oh, I can just see it. What what brought you to the UK? Uh, Money. Good shout. (laughs) Yeah, oh, look, you got to hand it to the pound. It's it's quite good. I quite (laughs) like it. Was it was it always the plan to come over here to do comedy, or did you have other designs when you got here? Oh, look. Um, I mean, obviously you were doing comedy over there, but was the plan to continue that? Oh yeah, uh, well not really. The plan was just to go wherever wherever I found a crowd. And um, you guys have a lot of tolerance for daftness and a lot of tolerance for crowd work and getting involved. And you know the the, the difference is like you know I mean you've just seen the football here people walking down the street and they're all singing together, right? That might happen once in a while in Australia. It's not a bloody, you know, huge part of the culture like it is here. But then you guys have that for everything. So like when I go and I perform at my gaming conventions, people chant and they cheer and they do all of that. And yeah, you just like the UK is just really good at saying, oh, this is a fun thing. We're all going to go and have fun. It's why like if you go to see Progress Pro Wrestling, I mean, they had some heels come out who had nuclear heat with the crowd. I don't know who they were. I don't even know what they were trying to say. I just joined in and trying to kill them. You know? Now, I mean, if you if you you know, if you put political designs on that, let's be fair, that's how the Third Reich rose. But nevertheless, right? It's still something about you know, if you put it in the frame of entertainment, people getting together, having a really wild time, and people in the UK are just really good at doing that. You know, you've been trained since Panto. It's wonderful. It is. Wrestling does lend itself nicely to that pantomime aesthetic, doesn't it? Well, straight up. And also, probably one of the most honest, like UK wrestling, one of the most honest types of entertainment, despite the nudge and a wink, you know, of its reality. Mm. Now, any any of that kind of end of the pier, down the Blackpool Illuminations thing, I've got endless respect for. You know, it's from your... You know, from your big daddies to your very, you know, like here's a guy jumping around, twisting himself around on World of Sport, all the way to those comics who is just like, all right, I see that you know 12 million jokes and you wrote three of them. That are fine. Good on you. Good on you. You're going to, you're going to do a, you're going to sing us a beautiful song. You're going to do a trick with a hat and you're just excellent. 
I love stuff like that. What was obviously you, as you, you you're very glowing about audiences and stuff over here? What was your first experience like doing stand up over here? Oh, first experience over here. Um, well, I mean, I jumped right into it because it was a I was in Glasgow, and that was the that was the place we were told to be afraid of. Because, you know, the idea was that Glaswegians particularly were ruthless and funnier than you. And the thing is, they could be if they chose to be. But they also lean in and have a good time. And, yeah, I mean, it was um, it was a fine, like, that one was that one was all right. I was just doing a preview because the next day I was going to the Edinburgh Fringe. And then, like, right at the end of the show, um, you know, I went, are there any questions? And a man just went, what was that? Which was a perfect, <laughs> you know, bang, you know, great. One and done, boom, you know. There you go, kid, have a good time. But even he came up afterwards and went, oh, I'll pop over to the fringe and see how you're doing. And we had a really, that, like, that started off being great. Um, but the first time I did stand-up, like, in a, in a club uh, in the UK, <laughs> it, was in, it was in a bed and breakfast in Plymouth. Uh, I, that, was at, that was just after the fringe. I went from the Edinburgh Fringe down to London, got in the car of a bloke who has severe short-term memory loss, so that drive went a lot longer Oh uh, God! Than, than it could have. I mean, he didn't notice, but Jesus, it was a thing. Um, we got there, did this show, which was, which was a good show. It was just a piss-up, you know, people having a nice time. But it was such a quality gig that while we were in the car on the way back, the headliner, who was still on stage, texted me, from the stage with the words, that fucking woman has thrown up all over my shoes, which goes to, goes to show you the quality of the gig. I don't think I was ever paid. <laughs> Christ. It's a, it, this is the, the, the joy of, of the stand-up circuit. And the oh, more look, you t- mate, everyone's got their own stories about yeah, but, how it, but mate, how it all ne- rolls. The next day I went to Hammersmith and did a gig with Harry Hill. You Amazing. Know, but this, but this, is, this is the schizoid nature of it. Like In Australia, you would go and you would do a rugby club. And then the, the day after that, you might do another rugby club. Well, the day after that, you might be doing a club in town, right? Over here, I could do a week where I'm like, science fiction convention, corporate show, might do a voiceover. Ah, mm, yes. Right, I've done exactly one voiceover. My voiceover agents brought me in because I can do accents. The accent they wanted me to do, Australian, as it turned out. <laughs> what was the voiceover for? It was for Farmer Wants a Wife Australia, uh, which is run by BBC <laughs> Lifestyle, which is aired in South Africa. And uh, the ad is pretty good. All the farmers want a wife. I mean, I, I slowly cringed into myself. I was like, this is how Tito Santana must have felt getting to be El Matador, you know. Uh, so, well, a little bit like it. it's obviously there's not such a virulent history of anti-Australian racism anywhere in the world. In fact, if anything, there's a long history of Australian racism. Anyway, not not well, not that long a history. There was a long history, and then we showed up. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I just I just do all sorts of stuff. I've got my you know got my gaming expos that I bloody love doing and uh, solo shows. And let, let's just put it this way: they they let me do theatres here. It's very nice. It doesn't have to be a festival or anything. I can rock up in Oxford or something. It's like, oh, hey, here's this art centre you're at. I'm like, oh, you beauty. The, yeah, the, it's, a, it's a beautiful variety of, of mm. venues and locations to do. What, what's been, what has been um, the, 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 your favourite venue and your, I mean, even your least favourite venue. I don't even <laughs> want to say that because even a least favourite venue would have like a certain charm to it. No, like, I'll, oh, I'll tell you, I know exactly the two oh, answers brilliant. for you. 
Um, the best venue is the Birmingham NEC. Yes. Yeah, that's where Love UK right. Games Expo and Insomnia are. And when I go out and I do my show, the dark room, I mean the the dark room, the dark room at Insomnia has usually got about fifteen hundred people in it, just chanting and screaming, and no one seems to mind that I come out to Triple H's music. And um, you know, we have we just have a really wild time of the chanting. I mean, I wear Road Warrior bloody armor when I do that show, and you're running around, and it's as close to like it's it's the part of wrestling I wanted to do, which is. I do the entrance. I'm permanently stuck in the entrance. I don't actually have to wrestle. It's great. It's great. I, I feel the way, okay, when I, when I do that show, I feel the way I used to feel when I'd play the original WrestleFest and you'd see the Legion of Doom, right? And the Legion of Doom in that game, when you're a kid and the arcade machine's so tall, they're huge, they're borderline unbeatable. When you see them in real life, especially in their declining years, you go, oh, okay, that's all right. That's that's two guys in cosplay as themselves. Okay, I you know, but you know what I mean. So, you know, because once they get to the ring, it's not as good. But the promise of them's always amazing. It's all in the it's all in the bill. It's all in the look. It's all in the aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, what a rush! And then about ten seconds later, you go, all right, someone's on quaaludes. That's no good. <laughs> Gee, I wish that tall bloke could stop snoring in the ring. That's not great. <laughs> Anyway, so, um, yeah. So your best is the NEC. What about, uh, yeah, what and, about and the worst? worst one ever? The worst, the worst place I've ever been uh, in the UK to do a gig was uh, in oh my Bournemouth, uh, Lava Ignite, the club Lava Ignite, uh, where well, the MC said to me on the way, he went, "Don't worry about doing anything. Just say cunt seventeen million times. They'll love that." And he went out and did that, and not not to any great effect. It was this, like this army of hens and stags. And um, I went out and I thought, well, and this is what my training from Australia at the time had taught me, because this was my third gig in this country, right? Well, they'll be done for crowd work, and you can probably do some other things. I lost them the second I pulled out the ukulele, which was the first thing I did. Oh. I then had to do the set for 20 minutes. Um, and what's amazing, I learned that night, when they start screaming off, 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 and you just sort of smile and don't go anywhere, they they run out of chanting. They actually just, like, the meter runs out, and they just sort of go, oh. And then if, if you're just very mild with them, they, they, they don't quite get moved to violence. They just sort of go, oh, he's just a boy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You know, occasionally someone will go, fuck off, you're like, uh, I can't yet. I, I'm not. I, I, they'll pay me. They won't pay me if I don't. Oh, oh. And yeah, in the, end, in the end, you come away going, you know what's great? It's not that I upset those people. I made them sad. Perfect. <laughs> and I went over to the booker to apologize. And he was great because he, <laughs> he just went, we don't get the same crowd here ever. Don't worry about it. They booked me again the next week. And I'll hey. tell you what, the next week, cunt, 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 <laughs> fucking killed. Ridiculous. <laughs> Always listen, friends. Uh, the Dark Room is a show that a few, many people will, will know you for, oh, uh, which is, which is an, it's an amazing bloody concept of, of basically doing a video game on stage. Yeah. And, but for those who aren't familiar with it, talk to us about sort of the, the, the conception and the, the, the initial reception and what you're doing with it and such, because it's, it's, it's an incredible story. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's the um, it's the world's only live action video game. That's what I like to call it. You know, a little little bit of a wrestling wink there. Mm. Um, but it's me 
taking everything I'm good at on stage in comedy, which is I'm good at being very loud and jumping on people and improv and insult comedy and putting that together into an interactive game show, which is meant to be a parody of the text adventures from the 80s, but has now become a parody of all gaming everywhere you do you do enough gaming festivals you learn some stuff you play enough stuff you learn some things but basically what happens is all the lights go down i suddenly begin to talk like this and i'm lit by a lot of lights that are just shining from me and i'm there in my armor and i will turn to the crowd and shout you are weak to find yourself in a dark room and four options appear on the screen behind me. And if you're called upon to play, you pick one of the four, you try to escape and we keep playing until you win or you die and you will die. And because I've been going up and down the country a long time with it, when people die, the whole crowd just chants, you die, you die, you die. And then you get a crap prize and, it, and it's like going to the wrestling. You know, it's a wrestling panto, like this sort of, and it's one of those things where like anytime I wonder, oh, you know, because I have a bloody great time on Twitch, you know, I'm having a wild time streaming there and i travel all around and anytime i think to myself why aren't i on telly why you know like i might you know i mean tv's sort of dying out but you know it'd be nice to be on there so my mother can point at a repeat of it when it's shown six months later in australia and go there he is don't watch it it'll be terrible right <laughs> uh, and it's that thing where you go well john you are currently dressed as the heavy metal conception of obscure 1980s video games and somehow that works as a sort of cult-like rock and roll experience for anywhere between 100 to 2,000 people. You're like, yeah, you're right. That is hard to explain, isn't it? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's 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 hitting that niche uh, so well, and it's to the point Thanks. where it became a video game in itself. It did. I, like, let me tell you that's amazing. I'm hit you right in the niche. Gonna get you right there. <laughs> yeah, because I think that's that is. I think the one thing that we've learned from. The world shutting down last year and everybody suddenly becoming a brand while in lockdown is that, like, <laughs> that is the most perceptive thing anyone said about that. It's true, though. Like, I know. in doing that, like, you, the money now is in narrow casting as opposed to broadcasting because, like, you, you've got to hit that particular audience with something. And this is, and this is why. You know, this is why the show has done so well because oh. it it hits some it hits you right in the right in the right place. If your if your niche is open to it, it's there. Thank it's you. There. If, if your uh, yeah, if your taste clitoris uh, can be discovered, <laughs> if if the particular if it, if it nerve requires to be tickled, <laughs> if it requires tickling, yes, then you can reach it. And I am there. I, I'll have you know, I've got a very flat tongue, but it's talented. Um, <laughs> I think that's a bit I'm going to use for the, the little bit at the start of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of context. Oh, good. It's... That got your niche, did it? Okay. Oh, I'm glad. Straight in the niche. Straight in the niche. <laughs> but, but, so, but, uh, but to, to touch on, on the whole Twitch thing, because like, like the, the world shut down last year, everybody went online. How did you find the transition because, to move from doing live stuff? You were there, weren't you? Because it, it yeah. felt like you... Because a lot of comedians and a lot of people who, who do stuff... Uh, in, in or with audiences and stuff, there for a lot of people there was growing pains because yes. it's suddenly you're not in front of you know, and and it's all this weird technology. But yep. you kind of seem just to be like, yeah, fine, off we go. Oh, thank you. Uh, that 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 was because um, I've got nice people uh, who just saw my first three streams and went, let us let us help you. Uh, you know, it's like my mod team are, are really nice, and they were sort of like okay let let's explain what an obs scene is and that really really good because my first stream 
<laughs> a mate of mine screenshotted it and put it on Twitter. And it was just like, okay, we're five minutes into John's first stream. All the tech is broken and he's doing this. And I looked like a WWE wrestler watching a match. And in the sense of the monitor was next to me on camera. And I was looking <laughs> at it like that. And that was it. It was just a camera being held up by my washing line, pointing at me next to a TV, trying to play Sonic Mania. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I, I really, I really bloody love it. I particularly like that one, the audiences that are there. Some of those people are people you're going to see every day. That you, and, and it's gorgeous. And you find out all about their lives. Like we had, there was a child that was in the process of being born while its parents were in the chat. Wow. And now, now that, that kid's learning to walk and we get photos of it. That's Dante, the stream baby. We got all this stuff, right? Um, there was a couple that got engaged live on the dark room when, the, when we did a 48 hour charity show last year. And that's what means something to me about all of this is just, you, you know, you get a great community and all sorts of stuff happen. Also the fact that online hecklers just have nothing. They're nothing on verbal ones. And the verbal ones very rarely have anything either. They're just, you know, the verbal ones are just people who are a bit drunk or a bit excited or have kind of misunderstood what you're saying, but kind of want to be involved. Whereas the ones online, it's always like, Oh, I'm sorry that you don't have the balls to do your own show. Or if you do have the balls to do your own show, well, none of us are going to go watch it. You're just rude to me. It like it, it, there's something about if you if you genuinely think you're doing something, but your offense can actually be taken out by a click before I even see it, then ah, sorry, don't know, don't know what to tell you. You're not special. <laughs> sorry. And I, so I'm. You seem to have handled. You seem to handle them well. Then the online, like, because oh, well, there's a, there's a lot of that bullshit online. Oh th- I, well, the thing is, it, it's endless. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm playing on easy mode because. I'm a fucking white bloke, you know, mm. like the second, the second we put the LGBTQIA plus tag on, on Twitch. Right. Cause I, I got all sorts, you know, I've got a, you know, one, I'm an inclusive space and two, my sexuality is fluid. I've produced a great deal of fluid on a great deal of people, you know, and they didn't all look the same. So, right. Um, but the second we did that every once in a while, I was like, Oh, I actually haven't had um, like homophobic abuse. Uh, since I was about 25, right about the time my jawline came in and, you know, my voice stopped dropping. You know, that's the thing. I can present as an aggressive, like, well, an aggr- I'm not going to say heterosexual. I can, I've, I've referred to myself in the past as a street fighting queer and I'm happy with that. I like that, but I can, you know, I can hang out with truckers, you know, I can have myself a good, t- oh, what's that? My fucking You know, I can do all of that. I had to learn to do that, you know, um, and then it was interesting to go, okay, there are going to be people there who are going to just see if they can upset you. But they're, they're just sort of wanky, non, non-people, just sort of sad bullies. None of them ever have anything perceptive to say. None of them ever say anything new. It's all the shit that I got thrown at me growing up, right? But eh, it's, it's that thing of like, you lack creativity. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell you to fuck off. Right. Which is funny because sometimes you, we leave them in chat long enough to watch them get upset, which is amazing. Then you ban them. So now you've got someone who's just done this with their keyboard. Like, oh, sorry. Good luck. And just leave. You, then you just kick them out and just leave them. Well, that's to the thing. Deal you, with you, their own hubris. Well, that's it. Well, yeah. You just sort of like, OK, your your ambition was to go around from the position of cowardice and upset some people. All right. Well, now we've upset you. What does that tell you? You know? 
Start, like, unfortunately, and it's a really old statement, get a life. Mm. Fucking hell. It's true. Jesus Christ. I mean, we had somebody at one point, and this is this is great because it moves away from homophobia because I don't, I don't get that that often, you know. Like, I don't present as female, you know, so I'm not being constantly fucking, you know, right? Well, at one point, somebody just wrote, you fucking man-child. And it was that moment where you're just like, okay, well, hang on a second. I'm just held up. I'm just going to hold up me little unicorn. Wait a minute. Hang on. Sorry, I've just got this kind of endless procession of actual. <laughs> I, I legitimately stream from a mountain of toys. <laughs> it couldn't have been more accurate and less hurtful. It's brilliant. As if they them saying that would, would make you go, oh, gosh. Maybe, maybe they're right. No, you're right. Oh, like, well, I'll go back to being a lawyer then. No worries. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The good that you have done through Twitch outweighs oh. all of this. £37,000. Uh, raised uh, that, for was, that was the 50-hour show. The 50-hour uh, yeah. show is... Oh, what's the, that's a, So... Talk us through uh, uh, the fifty-hour live stream because um, sleep deprivation is, is is a special is a special creature, it, and when you're putting it all out there as well, it, it's it's a raw bitch is sleep dep, and um, well, kids, if if you're gonna do a fifty-hour show, don't fall over some speakers in the first twelve hours. Uh, don't then fall up some stairs uh, on the same leg, because. Having just having your leg be buggered, right, whilst getting increasingly tired means that at the end of the show, someone will do a parody of you, which is, yeah, John, we tuned in before. And uh, my girlfriend went, oh, I don't like him. He's always just, oh, he's just weird. And when we tuned in and you were just going, oh, and that was it. Cause I was, I was broken, just completely gone. Um, but yeah, I don't know at what point. I started thinking my hair was another person. That was a, a big moment, just a lot of, lot of twisting back and forth. And um, at one point I was standing up 
And I slowly began to lose consciousness, which meant that the fairy lights, because I was in a darkened room, you know, obviously with a torch in my face, the fairy lights that were on the stairs, I was convinced were was a train for a while. Uh, we, we went on a, a long journey. Uh, it, it was one of those miracles where you wake up the next day. I didn't actually, but you wake up. Oh, no, yes, I did. I streamed. <laughs> yes, I did. Matthew was in the chat. I remember. Because <laughs> I, I remember I woke up, I was like, oh, fucking Botchamania. Yay. <laughs> it's Somebody just... put some Mega Drive music under this. <laughs> He's done very well putting Mega Drive music under Restless Falling Over. As he ever. Wow. Oh, that's... my God. There's part of you that goes, why didn't I think of that? Mate. <laughs> I must, I must have watched the best of Botchamania so many times that any time I hear the opening of Dad's Army, Dad's Army is not what I think of. <laughs> but so, so was he in the was he in the fifty hour one or was that the next day? No, that was the next in. day. He'd, so. he'd come by. He'd come by. Coldaholic raided, and I was delighted. And uh, and also like because you've been you've been very kind about my work. Make no mistake, I've in the last. I mean, everyone had their, everyone's always got their own mental health journey, right? Coldaholic was one of the things that helped me when I was really ill at one point. I was, I was very sick. I was just having a very, very hard time. Those lists, and especially once the list started becoming an hour and a half long, as we went through like every, so bloody invaluable. Great content. My God, I've like, when I've been lying in bed, brain endlessly racing and just constantly tense how bloody comforting are these amusing well-researched just very just very good very satisfying units of entertainment about wrestling i've i have almost certainly in fact no i have because i have watched i think every single list you people have ever made right and every single what happened to that wrestler I've probably, I'd, I, in fact, I'm going to stop saying probably because I actually know I've watched more of that than I have actual wrestling in the last <laughs> five years. <laughs> Wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. Well, it's, well we're, we're delighted, delighted to have you out there. That, that means oh, no, joy. everything. I mean, I, I could do without that second close-up of, um, of him when he's playing the piano during what happened to that wrestler. <laughs> that, the first time I saw that, I went, how funny. And it, I mean, it just increasingly just... It un I, I'm always cooking when I put one of those on and I always turn around just in time for him to be a little too close. <laughs> it is it is quite the look. You mentioned, oh, you meant, um, we, as you say, we've all been on, on a journey through that and you're very, you're very kindly saying like watching, watching the videos has been something that's helped you and I think that there is, there is some comfy viewing that I think people get from that and, and it's, it's wonderful to hear. What else kind of has helped you mentally keep ticking over during this very um, stupid time well uh the, the the twitch streaming's been endlessly helpful um yeah i i had to relearn how to do things consciously um so learning how to talk to people again was very helpful as well uh you know don't don't underestimate the joy of uh texting folks and uh get people on the phone i, I really enjoyed that lockdown brought back long phone conversations that was that was nice. I felt like I was a teenager again. It was great. Um, other things have included oh, Street Fighter, great deal of Street Fighter. Um, charity work's very good. If you don't, yeah, do that. Do that, folks. That's actually just a great thing to do. Um, and uh, and exercise and therapy. Therapy is very important. Good old therapy. I, I know that I've reached the point now with my therapy 
because I haven't had the same therapist the whole time. Initially, I needed it because I was in great danger. Now I'm not, right? But I've reached the point where I now bitch about my therapist, so it's become a comfy part of my life, and that's good. That's a lot of fun. To, when you reach the point of going, motherfucker, I'll tell you about repetitive <laughs> behaviours, you know. Oh, next week we'll discuss why you don't answer me when I ask how are you. Hey, what's your fucking problem, man? <laughs> did you make the decision to to go into to get ther- a therapist, yeah, or was I did, that yeah. that was? I, yes, yeah. Look, I needed to make that decision before it was made for me. Uh yes, uh, and and everyone. Everyone should do it. I mean, even it, it, like even though the NHS has got a big old waiting list, right? Just get on the waiting list. It, it's sometimes as it's sometimes as long as they say it'll be. Sometimes longer. Sometimes not, right? Um, but yeah, I yeah I yeah I needed to. And uh, the the most important advice I've been given is once you do have your therapist, uh, if it if it's not working. Right. And because you, you will feel confronted with some uncomfortable truths or, or even just niggling and annoying ones, which is what's happened with me. Like at, at the moment, I, I'll come out of my therapy session. Going, that son of a bitch. I can't believe you said that to me. Blah, blah, blah. And then this happened on Friday. Then I went and did a gig and exhibited every single behavior we'd spoken about. Like, well, it's fine. <laughs> He's only paid to be perceptive. I can't. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're back out doing gigs now. Did I see that? Is it? Is is the how does it feel now being back out after like a year and a half in? It's great. I something I thought was going to happen has happened, which is that audiences have forgotten uh, how not to speak during shows. But that's okay. That's all right. That'll you. You just start talking to them, and they then they then they remember how fun that is, or how not fun, and then they they shut up pretty swiftly. (laughs) um it, it's great it's great it, everyone is very much themselves a lot it's all it's remarkable like everyone's been shut up for 18 months yeah it's, it's pretty good everyone's being either the most authentic versions of, of themselves ever ever or the most authentic versions of themselves as shut up in a weird room for ages which is which is probably the most authentic version of me to be fair uh, <laughs> oh, it's yeah, like a sorry. weird social experiment, isn't it? Just like yeah, everybody, well, we've shut everybody in for a year and then we push them back out. Let's see what they do. Yeah, well, as it turns out, they go to the football and act like assholes. Um, there is that, yes. Yeah, also just quietly, one, one thing for the UK government, you can't actually spend the entire time uh, condemning the players for taking the knee and then the day after the football go, why are you all being racist to them? Stop it. Like Because you, you fucking told them to. Settle down. Oh. Uh, just quietly, the other thing is, if your therapy doesn't seem to be working, get another therapist. That's that's good advice. That's <laughs> some strong advice. Because yeah, that's that is actually because a lot of people just assume, oh, maybe therapy is not for me then because oh, no, this no, doesn't no. seem to be working. So well, let's just you know, it's like it's like trying it's like trying one flavor of ice cream and going, well, I just don't like ice cream then. Yeah, <laughs> it's like trying sodomy for the first time and going, well, I just don't. <laughs> Oh, actually, no. That does, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's pretty the same everywhere. <laughs> maybe maybe not with ice cream. I mean, Why not? After, I mean, hey, you know. I what, don't know. You... I've had it done so badly. Some ice cream up there would have been deeply helpful. <laughs> hey, follow your arrow. You do you. That's... Don't do it with an arrow. <laughs> not with an arrow. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. That I took an arrow up the ass. <laughs> up my Skyrim. <laughs> 
right in the Skyrim. Right in the Skyrim. We, uh, let's let's at least do it up me Khajiit. <laughs> well, no, because Khajiit is coin. Stop! You violated the law. Um, <laughs> Let's hey, let's do your third and final match. Sure, 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 let's sure, sure. let's do a thing. So, uh, Hell in a Cell, a heck in a sack between mankind and the Undertaker was your first one. We had Foley versus uh, Edge from WrestleMania. Yep. What's your last one going to be, John? Okay, uh, and y- you know what? I'm I'm going to do it. I was I was tossing and I was tossing and turning about this whether it'll be it, but it, it is going to be just for the the feeling I got the the first time I saw it, and it it doesn't really stand up. But my God. Little Spike Dudley versus Mike Awesome. Oh, Ooh, nice. Match. Like, because if, if you, if by that point, I had learned that a tables match meant there was a table, everything would build up to you going through the table. And then the WCW variant of it, which is the table will not break. Oh, come on. It did eventually. Jerry <laughs> sags through the guy into the corner. I know it's a bit disappointing. Only the bit broke off at the end, but it was still a match, right? And then to just say, oh, no, we're just going to double stack tables all around the ring. And this little man is just going to get the shit kicked out of him. It was, I blew my mind. Just blew my mind. Hated the storyline. Hated every aspect of it. Don't like, um, don't like his promo at the start. Judge Jeff Jones can get fucked. Don't, don't care for him as a character, as a heel, anything. He's everything I dislike about ECW in one go. I've just sort of like, okay, so it's it's hardcore and and Raven's a cult leader and and it's all being presented like it's happening and it's believable. Oh, incidentally, this bloke's a judge. He's a judge, yeah. Yeah, and yet at the same time, love Amish roadkill. So this isn't on him. This is this is my own flight. I'm like, of course you can have an angry Amish warrior. Why would a judge be here? That yeah. doesn't make sense. It's more it's more likely that an, that an Amish person would turn up to kick off as yeah, opposed to, hang out to with a Danny judge. Doring. That that makes huge Yeah, I know. Oh god. That's, I know, right? Who'd want to hang out with Danny Doring? Well, that's actually a great question and one that's always baffled me. Um, <laughs> but I love I love the match. I love that I love Spike in his dungarees and his tie-dyes and the and the wave on the way to the ring and just the fact that you know in this David and Goliath battle, it's ECW. No, he won't win. He he's going to be brutally hurt, <laughs> and he is. <laughs> and it's great. And Mike Awesome was was so fun, and just because he like the mullet is great, the body is great, the work is phenomenal, and just God, I mean, the first time that was the first time I ever saw the Awesome Bomb. And I'd seen power bombs, and I was fairly excited by them. They're, they're great fun. But the awesome bomb where it's just a little higher and with the one hand, and I, th- and I think he does it off the top rope through through mm. the top. Oh, oh, so good. Like, and it, it was that proper thing of going, this is really excessive wrestling violence taken to another degree rather than, oh, well, and then New Jack garroted a puppy, you know, <laughs> just... And then, oh, it was at that point that Tommy Dreamer took the cheese grater to someone's head. I I never like, I don't like seeing like wrestling violence where it's indistinct. Like I once saw live at in, in Australia during the ill-fated Hulkamania tour, right? I saw a hardcore match where Jerry Sags picked up one of the casino chairs, which we've all sat on in that town, and they're made of brass, right? They've got like, you know, like a brass underside and a very thick padded cushion and hit someone in the head with it. 
but we're all, it didn't make a noise because it's all mostly cushion, right? Yeah. And all we did was just go, well, that's really heavy. That would that like that'll have hurt that guy, but not in a way that we know. Like he's going to wake up tomorrow a little bit like, oh, Jerry, come on, <laughs> right? Whereas when you see look, little guys who can who can be thrown around versus big blokes who are going to throw them around, that's the best wrestling of all. So actually, I, I hate to do this to you. So it's going to be a tie. It's a tie between. Oh, sorry, because okay. I've just remembered the one that I. I it's Little Spike Dudley versus Mike Awesome and Kevin Nash versus Rey Mysterio. <laughs> but the one where Nash just beats the shit out of him. Does, does Rey get like, is that the one, does Rey get like a cheap roll-up win in that match or was that's, that further down the line? I think that's the previous one. It's, right. It's, yeah, it is. It's the one after he's won and this is Kevin Nash getting his win back. And But it's so cool. <laughs> right, right. Because I was watching it with my friend Tom and Tom was like, you know, John, I, I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> and just look, bang! <laughs> so so the, the, the vibe for the last match is big lad versus little lad, big lad battering little lad. Well, because that's when you get to see the moves look good. Yeah. That's, that's when it's, it's wrestling now. It's wrestling at its, at its very finest, you know. You tell me that that man's a hugely frightening giant. I need to see him destroy something small then, right? Look, if you're already little, right, you look like you're incredibly far away when the big show's holding you up for a chokeslam and then you go down. It's great. I, I love stuff like that rather than, okay, we're actually going to be at the mercy of whether this other guy can jump at all. You know, I just want somebody pick him up like a child, throw him down like a pancake, feed him to the dog. Love it. And it and it works better with with the heels on that side because mm. I, I only say that because like we watched uh, for the, the 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 classic Raw review podcast we're watching 1995 which is like the height of Diesel's reign of error and it's <laughs> it's the whole idea that like they try and paint him as this sympathetic champion yet he towers over everyone on that roster and it is so difficult to to really get behind him because like you just batter everybody <laughs> like. <laughs> There's no sympathy here. And like with the match he had against Rey Mysterio, like the, the sympathy obviously lies in Rey, as it should. Yeah. But gotta give Kevin's win back. <laughs> You've I gotta know. heaven oh, forbid. Man. So you're not gonna you're gonna you're gonna this is gonna be a tie then this one. You can't choose I, I, one yeah, or the other. Yeah. Let yeah, let let let's give it a tie. I feel as though I owe it to the um the smart mark I was at seventeen who went and bought his two ECW DVDs, you know. I owe it to him that he has that, and I owe it to the good times I had with Tom sitting down watching the WCW pay-per-views that we rented along with some French art house films. So people respected us. <laughs> with this, so was it, is that the equivalent of like buying like a load of what car magazines with pornography in the middle? Like yeah. just go some French art. Oh, just we'll pop, pop that wrestling in there as well. well I suppose. For, for whatever reason, because I, you know, like this, this was back when the attitude era was running high, but kids would be happy to just go, Oh, you know, it's fake. You know, it's fake. So I always felt like, Oh, okay. Right, they're saying I'm stupid. So I would go down to the art house section of the, you know, of the video store and get three colors blue or get some other sad French thing. And I realize now looking back on it, they probably just went, Who's the weird kid who keeps renting the French films? What's up with him? <laughs> I like the wrestling. <laughs> oh well. Well, we we have loved having you chatting about the wrestling with us today. 
Thank you. Uh, it's Robert been a, Hunt. This has been so cool. A genuine honor. Thank you for asking me. No, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you? Plug oh, away, you... sir. This is your time. Thank you, my love. Uh, you can find me, folks. My name is Mr. John Robertson. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Robotron, R-O-B-B-O-T-R-O-N. Twitter is the same thing, R-O-B-B-O-T-R-O-N. Instagram, don't bother. I mean, I've been in my house for 18 months. What do you want? A lot of selfies. <laughs> you want to see my kitchen? <laughs> um and uh, no, that, that, that's actually pretty good. You could, and yeah, and uh, the website is thejohnrobertson.com. That's got all the tour dates on it, touring constantly uh, around the UK and elsewhere eventually. Well, uh, tour dates, anything in Newcastle? I haven't yep. checked. Oh, I'll be in Newcastle. I will be at the stand in December. Oh, Ooh. guess Two what hours. we're doing in December? Thank you, baby. Two hours of the dark room. And also, if you can't make the tour dates, folks, I do stream 10 times a week on Twitch, twice a day most days. Do pop on by. Oh, yeah. There's a lovely, comfy stream that you do where you are everybody's dad. Thank you. And I like that. It's just, it just Sunday. It's, Thank it's you. a nice dad stream. So if you need some dad-based comfort. Yep, come and, yeah, come and watch um, Sunday Lunch with your dad where the character divorced Aussie dad cooks you up a feed. Good fun. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.